It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. A reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app. Podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we'll get into a variety of topics over the course of these next 60 minutes. We'll start to look ahead to the Carolina Panthers, some other takeaways from week six, as well as what Joe Judge had to say with respect to injuries and his own takeaways from the loss to the L.A. Rams. Jeff, how's everything on your end today? We're doing good, Lance. Just rebounding here on Tuesday, talking some Giants and... uh yeah, it's all good. Got the thing about the, the National Football League, as you know, is that you got to have a quick, uh, you got a quick memory. Like you can't think about things too long. You got to move on. So you got another week, and you got the Panthers coming in now, and um, you got to reflect a little bit. That's what Mondays and Tuesdays as a player is all about. But hey, come to work tomorrow. And let's go. That's what the guys got to do. Quick turnaround in the National Football League. Yep. Yeah, there's not a lot of time to uh, feel sorry for yourselves. That's right. When well, all especially of a sudden, this team. Yeah. Correct. You got another game that you have to consider let's start on the injury front because Joe Judge spoke to the media yesterday and when we were on the postgame show on the Giants radio network obviously one of the big talking points was the growing number of people that are joining the walking wounded and it's unfortunately been a trend over the last few games so Andrew Thomas came into the game with a foot injury he was dealing with soreness he did play then he left the game with an ankle injury. So Joe Judge made sure to clarify the fact that not only is it a new injury, but it's also an injury that's on the complete opposite foot. <laughs> so that's one thing that's important to note. They were getting MRIs and x-rays for a number of the players that were banged up. He didn't necessarily have a definitive answer. And we're probably not going to know about a lot of these players, Jeff, until tomorrow when they actually mm -hmm. hold their first practice and we get the practice report. But that's the latest with respect to Andrew Thomas. Then there is Kadarius Toney, who obviously left the game extremely early. He's also undergoing further tests. Joe Judge said he re-aggravated the ankle injury that he had coming into the game. And if you remember, that was the injury that he suffered against the Dallas Cowboys on a catch where he made the reception. And then it seemed as if as he hit the turf, Jeff, he got shaken up. He played through that. He was on the injury report, unfortunately. He aggravated it, so that kicked him out of the last game. And then as far as Saquon and Kenny Galladay are concerned, no major update on those two. We'll know a lot more, obviously, tomorrow whether or not they are able to take part in practice. So it's obviously growing. Darius Slayton's another guy who is going to be worth monitoring over the course of this week. But once again, and we talked about this on the postgame show, Jeff, the NFL doesn't pause the schedule for your team if you're dealing with injuries, right? Oh, no, You've no. got to make sure that you make the necessary changes, tweaks. And, you know, this is also an opportunity for Sterling Shepard to start rebuilding chemistry with Daniel Jones, as well as, you know, some of these other receivers who got some work in to probably get some first-team reps in practice this week and continue the cycle moving towards this Carolina game. Yeah, and you got to think about C.J. Board. He broke his arm. So, yeah. I, you know, he's going to be a guy that's not going to be back. So now you are lost a receiver there. And I think that, you know, we scratched our head a little bit about the uh, Darius Slayton inactive last week. Um, I think you might we might think that he'll be back this week, hopefully. So you get a little reprieve there. Got a guy coming back. Um, the other thing, too, that I don't think a lot of people are mentioning, I see that it was brought up in, in the press conference with Joe Judge, is the fact that you have some of these players that were put on PUP and that were put on uh, short-term IR that are, are getting ready to come back. Um, and here's the other thing, too. You know, with COVID, one of the advantages, and it just came into effect last year and it carried over to this season, was that your extended players on that practice squad, including veterans, 
helps the situation when you run into injuries like this, whatever team you're on, that you're able to bring guys up and down and, and more importantly, have those guys that were pretty much with you the whole training camp. I mean, if you look at the, the rosters of around the 32 teams, a lot of the practice squad guys are, have been there for a while because they want to have as much um, – you know, recognition of the systems with the guys that have been there for a while. You know, you know, here's the one thing that people don't understand, I'm sure, is that these guys that are on the practice squad, you know, before they go to practice, they're in meetings, okay, going over the game plan for the following week. So they're, they're actually, they're learning the plays, they're learning the strategy, they're learning the offense, the defense, the special teams for what the Giants are going to do. And on paper, they, they can understand it. The problem you run into, and this is where injuries sometimes can elevate these guys to positions, but we can't expect much out of them because they really don't, depending on what they're doing on the practice field, my point is this. When they go on the practice field and you're part of the practice squad, you're running the other team's offense or defensive plays and cards, and they're all scripted stuff. So you really don't get a chance other than, I know that the Giants have done this, and I don't know a lot of people know this, but they I, I forget what the period's called, but the last period of practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, or it may not do it Friday, but I know at least it's two days, they actually get the guys that don't run the offense or defensive plays for the ones on the, on their perspective, you know, respective side of the ball. They run a 10-minute period, if you will, running those plays again so that they do get an idea of what those plays are. Now, it's not the full practice, but it's a recollection of, of this is exactly what we did in the meeting room. We'd like to carry it over to the, to the, to the practice field and have you run them. But if you're not practicing those all, all day and you don't get that 10-minute period at the end, it's hard. Because now I'm a receiver that's not running with Daniel Jones. I'm running with Mike Glennon and the and the the other the other offense. They're running they're running scripted cards. They're not even running your own plays. So there's a lot of things that these guys have to get on page with. And we've talked about the timing. We saw it last week with Dante Pettis and Daniel yep. Jones. You know that it was and that's this is my point. Dante Pettis has not been a guy that has been running first team reps. Um, he's been a you know that guy that's been at the end of the depth chart. So he's that's been on where the practice you, squad. That's yeah. where you see the the misfires by Daniel Jones and the, some of the timing stuff. So it's important. And then I you know I, that's just one sense. I mean, when you talk about the linemen moving all over the place too, that's that's another deal. And so injuries cause so much problems for your team and the continuity of things. It's very difficult. It's not an excuse. We don't want to use it. However, you have to take a good look at the guys that are getting hurt how imperative and how important those guys are to your offense and defense. Well, there's a lot of movable parts, which there's is pretty so much many. what you're laying out. Man, yeah. there's so many. Yeah. And the practice squad, I think the term that you were looking for, Jeff, is they're pretty much running the scout team. That's essentially what those guys yeah. are doing. Yeah. In addition to digesting the giant scheme. So they're technically, they're part of the roster, meaning they go to the positional group meetings, but mm -hmm. then when it comes to practice, mm -hmm. they're sort of taking on dual roles. Right. They're trying to get the mental reps of what the Giants are actually running, but at the same time, they're preparing the offense or the defense for what the opposition is going to showcase them in the upcoming game. That's 100% correct. Yep. And occasionally as you move through, like, for instance, let's just say Dante Pettis, when they know that there might be an instance where Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton may not um, get on the field on Sunday, Dante Pettis may be taking some first-team reps because of that. But on Sunday, as we found out, sometimes – it doesn't mean that you're going to get a jersey on Sunday. There's inactives every week that we see, or there's guys that didn't get called up, or there's guys that get, you know, so those kinds, those kinds of situations. That's why, you know, that inactive, we, we pay so much attention to it because it's very important as far as the chemistry of your roster for that day. Um, and sometimes we all scratch our heads like, well, why is this guy a healthy scratch, as you always say? And it's most of the time it's because of special teams that some guys just can't – they don't play other positions, and you got to have some guys that do, and that's why guys get jerseys on Sundays and some don't. Well, and the reason why you need the versatility is because take, for example, what happened to the Giants against the Rams. You never bank on losing, right, four or five guys during the course of a game. So if you don't act accordingly, Jeff, in terms of who you're picking to get a jersey, it could come back to bite you forget about maybe next week or the week beyond. It could come back to bite you in that very game if you wind <laughs> up losing guys who are part of the starting rotation. I was thinking about this Sunday, and thank God that it didn't happen, but I'm here, sitting here going, okay, so Kadarius Tony just went out of the game, 
And all I'm thinking is that Daniel Jones has had a concussion. That they, you know, they could be very easily get hit and him go out of the game. What happens if Mike Lennon had gone in the game and gone out? Who, who is now – who is the quarterback? Because I know that Kadarius Tony was a high school quarterback, and I know that we've thrown him the ball. I, that's – you know what I'm saying? I was thinking to myself – who like you know normally that would have been me I was the disaster quarterback they call it and and I always tell everybody that if I ever got in there it would be a disaster <laughs> so I just you know obviously they they thought about that but um this is the the things that happen there's a trickle down effect that injuries cause and sometimes you can't do anything about it well they have Brian Lewerke but you know what now that but, I but think he about it like, but he wasn't he wasn't that called day. up yeah. yeah no you That's bring up point. a good point. He's on the roster, meaning he's technically the third quarterback, but he was not one of those guys elevated from the practice squad. So, yeah, in the event that both of them got hurt and then Tony, who probably is the emergency quarterback, well, boy, I don't even want to think about that, Jeff. Let me ask you a question. This is, yeah. Can you have – wasn't at one point in time you had that third-team quarterback that was dressing, but he, you know, he only could go in the game if the first two guys got hurt? Do you remember that? Is that still effective? I'm well, not sure. Normally, though, but that player was technically on the 53-man roster. Yeah, but I'm wondering if that's – okay, yeah. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, it's a good I'm, question. I don't I, know a firm answer on that. I yeah. do remember what you were talking about, that I they had know. some wiggle room in the event that an injury. Sure. But I guess what makes this unique, which is interesting what you brought up, is that Lewerke was not technically one of the active players mm -mm. in this game. So yeah. in the event that Jones got hurt and, let's say, Glennon got hurt and then Tony – got hurt, and he's your emergency. Yeah, I don't even know well, wasn't what exactly. It, you have 55 on the open on the game day now. You had the one extra lineman, and maybe it was the third-team quarterback. Isn't that where the 55 comes in? We'll find out. We'll find well, out. Or well, it's not necessarily the extra quarterback because, remember, they elevated – what they did was they elevated Corey Cunningham and they elevated Dante Pettis. So to well, Those were the question, two guys Jeff, they caught up from. That's right. Yeah, correct. It so that brought to it to 55. Gotcha. Yep, okay. Yeah. That's, I'm going back to I think this I think it was a rule that the third team quarterback would suit up but could not go in the game. This is prior to COVID and all the activations from the practice squad going up for game day. Those two two call ups every week. Correct. So I think it was years ago that you could have that third team quarterback dressed on the sideline, but he can only play if the other two guys got taken in. But the point at hand is that's why there is a lot of rationale that goes behind who you actually elevate because yeah. you have to start to think about the coulda, woulda, shoulda game in the event something transpires during the course of the contest. Now, the other thing that you were hitting on that I want to get to that Joe Judge did acknowledge is you were mentioning guys that are on IR or the pup list. So you have Aaron Robinson, who started the season on pup, who was one of their draft picks this year, the third rounder. He had core muscle surgery this offseason. Joe Judge said they're going to start his clock this week because okay. now that yep. six games are in, guys on pup could come off following the sixth game. So now we're entering, obviously, week seven. So he's eligible to be activated as a result of that. And then there's Ellerson Smith, another rookie who had not seen any time. They're going to start his clock as well. So there's two guys that could very well be joining the roster depending on the progress they make in practice. The other thing that's important to note with you bringing up the practice squad, Jeff, they added a veteran linebacker in Bernardrick McKinney, who was last with the Miami Dolphins. He did not make the team. He was released on August 31st. Prior to that, he was with the Texans. But he spent the bulk of last season on IR with a shoulder injury, and then he was traded to the Dolphins this offseason. So part of them adding him is because, obviously, you lost Blake Martinez, you're banged up, and you want to add a veteran who could help you on the interior in terms of stopping the run and so forth. But remember, he's just right now on the practice squad. He would have to be somebody that would be elevated before we see him get out there on the field. Yeah, he said, uh, Joe Judge, I'm quoting him, um, kind of see where he is at physically and get him moved into our system. So there you go. They got to, they gotta, you know. Yeah, because he has no history in this scheme. It's not like yeah, he was with Patrick only, Graham. Yeah, he, yeah and, and my point is earlier is that it's, it's not easy to just, you know, these are not um, these pieces. You just, they're not plug and play. By, by term, yeah, you can plug the guy in to play middle linebacker. Does he know what he's doing? No, but he's there. But you know, it's very difficult because think about Patrick Graham. Think about a player that I, I have confidence that he has the ability to play middle linebacker or outside linebacker, edge rusher, whatever it is. But do I have the confidence that he's going to know that when I 
when I call this play, this defensive play, is he going to understand his concept? Is he going to understand his coverage? Because what happens when they don't, there's a breakdown and there's big plays that happen. So that's why injuries, it has such an effect on your football team that people just kind of sometimes don't understand how layered it is. And it's tough. It's very tough. And, you know, again, like I said, that you can't have the excuse that I, we have all these injured players, but it's a stark reality that you do. And so it, something's got to give, right? And um, it's, it's, it's where the coaches have to scratch their head and say, what are we going to do now that we're missing? And this isn't the Giants, you know, situation, but if we're down three corners like a few years ago in 2000, this is like I said in the postgame show the other day, Lance, this is reminding me of 2017. Yep. When when all these injuries started to happen and there was no answer to it, there was no depth. And remember, they did not have the expanded practice squads back then. Sure. They were just bringing guys off the street and putting them on the practice squad and then for a week and then bringing them back up. Or even remember there was one time you and I were looking at a flip card late in the season in 2017, I think it was, and we didn't even know who these guys were. <laughs> we were Googling Well, because names. every single week they were bringing in new players <laughs> yeah, because like, of when, all the injuries, the lack of continuity. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so – um, but I, I feel like, you know, I have been on some bad teams before. Um, I'm not saying that this is a bad team. It's a bad record that they have at this point. But I, I know what goes on. And this is a this is a, a breaking point sometimes with the football team where you got to have you got to be able to, you know, I, there's some that you just want to keep out all of the pointing the fingers and. You know, is it an offense versus the defense kind of thing? Is it a one-position group that's not doing well? And this is a really tough situation, and this is where you got to have your leaders in the locker room step up. And I think that when you talk about building the locker room and chemistry and all that kind of stuff, this is where you earn it. This is where you hope that when you brought these guys in and you had high character and good guys and, and, and good leaders, that this is when they kind of the cream comes to the top. And so this is when it has to – got to police the locker room a little bit and you got to start having these guys step up and take accountability for their positions and what they're doing. It's a tough go. And losing in the NFL is so it's, – it's absolutely – it ruins your, your day every day. And you got to wait six more days, seven – depending on when you play, to, to try to redeem yourself. And it just grinds on you. And when you can't do it consistently, you're never in a good mood. <laughs> Just Which is understandable. Just the wives and significant yeah. others of, of the players. Of course. And coaches. It's, well, it's, listen, this is your livelihood. This if is your you job. If you didn't wear it on your sleeve and you weren't feeling like that, I'd question then what exactly are you doing this for a living to begin with. And believe it or not, there's a lot of times when that's what comes up. There's a lot that when, you know, when things get going, the, uh, when it's tough, it's, and that's when you, the real persons kind of step up a little bit and then the personalities come out. And you hope you don't have a lot of different ones. But, you know, you want to just take control and understand that we got to take one game at a time. And the problem is, is that there's so many cliches that people use in these press conferences. And it's because you have to protect things. you got to protect the players. The players like to protect the coaches and the media and all that. It's a difficult interview when you're losing. Um, because you know that you know that the problems. And you address them behind the scenes. But... You don't want to make them public and let everybody know about them because there's some certain things that you want to take care of in-house in with nobody needs to know about. So, Well, and as far as pointing the fingers, and this is the last thing I want to get to before mm-hmm. we start opening up to the phone lines, it's something that we've also talked about on multiple occasions, Jeff, the lack of complimentary football. You could point fingers at all three facets of this team as to why they're in this current position. What I find a bit mind-boggling is we're now six games into the season and we keep having the same conversation about when are we going to get to that contest where you say the offense brings its A game, the defense complements that. The defense brings its A game, the offense complements that, and then special teams doesn't come back to bite you. So, for example, you look at this Rams game, Jeff, and the more and more I was looking at the drives and how the game flowed, the defense actually made two stops early on. The offense did nothing with that. Then the offense gets bitten by turnovers, so you don't help the defense because you put them pretty much in a horrendous position where you're telling the Rams, go 12, 14-yard score a touchdown. They're going to gladly capitalize. And then special teams, it wasn't as if there was a huge return, Jeff, but if you noticed, and this was something that we didn't necessarily emphasize, 
there were five penalties that the Giants committed. The bulk of them came on special teams, actually, against the Rams. And one of them, they were fortunate, by the way, which didn't go against them when Johnny Hecker ran the fake. They were lucky that the Rams actually had a slip up to help offset that because if that didn't happen, then Johnny Hecker would have gone off the field, Matt Stafford would have come back on, and the Rams would have continued another drive. So I actually think what wasn't emphasized enough was special teams didn't really help either the offense or the defense in Sunday's loss. Yeah, they all three have to play together and complement each other. And, um, you know, the, the fake punt, I was still trying to figure that because we don't get – the only other information we ever get up in the press box is just from the announcer. We, there's nothing more details to it because they have to go on to the next play. But I guess um, evidently Joe Judge had mentioned that – the uh, the gunner on the Rams punt team and must have entered the the field illegally. That's yeah. probably why. It, that's why he was open. So I, you know, most of the time I think that I'm trying to remember who who had the penalty on the Giants the other day that they did not come inside the numbers and go back out. Um, and it kind of reminds me uh, we used to have a play before this rule was in effect back in my days with the Eagles with Buddy Ryan is that we had a fake field goal that I actually ran it in in preseason to um what was his name calvin oh, i don't remember his name anyways <laughs> i threw a touchdown to him um but he you know he just kind of came off the sidelines and just stood there and, you know, was, was, <laughs> and you pulled a open. fast one so then they you know now they said you got to come all the way back you got to come at least at least inside the numbers which by the way those numbers are 12 12 13 yards from the sidelines so you got to come inside it and then go back out he must have just came out but to your point um yeah i mean you, you really need uh and, and by the way the complimentary offense versus the defense, uh, the first quarter, as you mentioned, the Giants go down and have a great drive. They get the ball, they go down, they make some first downs, some big plays, and next thing you know, they get into that red zone and they fail and they kick a field goal. All right, so they're on the board 3 nothing. The Rams come out and they, they, have a, 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 they force a punt, the Giants do. So there's, a, there's helping one out, one person is helping out the other. But then it just kind of started to unravel, and things were, did not become complimentary. And the next thing you know, you're down 28-3, to and you got problems. you got big problems. And by the way, you know, you and I spoke to it after the game, but the quick hitters are the, are the ones that hurt you because especially when you don't have an offense that can, can basically come back and, and, dict, and just ditto what they, the other team did, I mean, look at those scoring drives and how quickly those guys, the Rams, put put points up on the board. Yeah. You know, a minute, seven, two two minute and seventeen seconds. I mean, that's 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 trouble. You you got trouble, especially when you're not moving the football and Daniel Jones is not playing well. Well, and part of that is also because the field was so short, they barely had to move the chains. It's unbelievable. When you look at the fourteen yard touchdown drive, yep. was a buck seventeen, and then the twelve yard touchdown drive was also a buck seventeen, mm-hmm. and that was mainly because we're talking about they ran. Four plays on the first one, four plays on the second. So eight plays right there to score a touchdown mm-hmm. in total. Two touchdowns, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't have to go that far. So, of course, you're not going to milk much clock. And then all of a sudden, they score 28 points in the second quarter. The deficit balloons. And then, as you mentioned, you're hit by injuries on offense. Your defense is still struggling to make stops. There's really no ideal recipe there to help you overcome what is a 25-point deficit at the half? But you do know what the Rams did that the Giants un, are unable to do all the time is that the defense gets the ball back for the offense and the offense doesn't do anything with it. And that's what happened you know, two weeks ago with Dallas when they get two turnovers and don't yep. do anything with them. The, the Rams get the tur- two turnovers and turn 14 points off of those turnovers immediately. And now you're in trouble. That's the opportunistic parts of things that you can be defensively, but you need to be opportunistic offensively and go down and score six points. And by the way, when you're in that short red zone, you got to score six. No more field goals. It just can't work with the way that these these offenses are so prolific. Look at the scores of these games these days. I mean, you got to be in the 30s to win games nowadays. I mean, if you're in the 17, 19 points, you, that's nothing. I mean, a team might as well spot you that because <laughs> you're not going to win. You're well, just not going to win. Jeff, look at the game last night. The Buffalo Bills, the number one scoring offense in the NFL, they put up 31 points. They lost the game, 34 to 31. Now, there's a lot of other factors sure, that I could talk about. Sure, but they about. still scored, though. Sure, but they scored 31 points, and it still wasn't enough to win the game. And by the way, I think that all of us will agree that 
Buffalo's defense is not – they're not bad. They're a good yeah, they're defense. They're the number one scoring defense in the NFL so, coming I mean, in. <laughs> so they just got put up 34 points on. Yeah. So that, that's to our point is that this league is you have to be an offensive – just you got to score, man. Yep. So what is wrong? What is wrong with this team? I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to hear from some of our callers to understand so that I can get more of an idea. I mean, people are always asking us what's wrong. I would love to hear from some other people because – uh, it's it's very simple to me, and not only do I agree with it, it's been reiterated in in Coach Judge's press conference. It's about the execution and how things are called and and run. That's a big part of it. I I don't want to hear about the injuries. I know that I said that it's something it does matter, but the fact is that those are a part of the game for all 31 other teams. What other 31 other teams are doing better than the Giants right now? is that they're executing the plays that are given to them and they're basically going out there and doing better than the other the other team is doing better than you at that. So it's execution and it's and it's it, it's taking advantage of what the other team doesn't do well. Um if you if you're not scoring on offense and you're taking the ball away on defense then you know you're just that's a great play but it doesn't do anything for you. Like you always say Lance, what did you do with the turn takeaways? You did nothing with them, so it's really nothing. It just it's, it's a clock killer, right? That's all it is. It's a production-based league. It's not coming up with empty statistics. Takeaways that don't lead to points are empty stats, as far as I'm concerned. And one other thing I wanted to point it out in terms of the injuries, the Baltimore Ravens, by the way, have the most players on injured reserve right now. Jeff, total of 16, and they're 5-1. and one. So that's another reason why. Everybody across the league in some capacity has lost a key ingredient. Yes, the Giants' volume is up there, but there are teams that have taken that narrative. They've thrown it to the wayside. They've gone about their business. So that's another reason why, to your Good point, point. Yeah. I don't like to turn yeah. to injuries as this dangling excuse when the whole point of putting together a 53-man roster and taking the offseason to build depth is to not then have that conversation even if you are hit by the injury bug. And, 201 939 4513. Do you want to add something, Jeff? Yeah, just sorry. real quickly. So, and in yeah. the past, in the past, we've talked about the depth. We've talked about that the Giants didn't have the depth and that, that when they got injuries, we understand. Um, there's, this team has been built over the last couple of years with good depth. You look at the wide receivers, okay, you look at the, even the cornerback position, the safety position, the defensive line position. There's depth all over the place. So, that's not an excuse either. You know, so maybe a couple of years ago in 2017, there that was a problem. There was no depth, and then all of a sudden now you got some good players behind the, the guys that are starting. So there's no excuse. Well, and the other thing that comes to mind, Jeff, related to what you're talking about, how many times on this program do we field calls and fans and callers get irritated over? Well, why was this guy let go when he was having a great preseason? And everybody's talking about overwhelming depth. But then we get five or six games into the season, then everybody's crying about the fact that there is no depth. So which way is it? It's either you <laughs> like the guys that were brought in the offseason to compete for roster spots, or you didn't like them. It can't be you like them in August, but then all of a sudden when we're into the second week of October, the roster now is not to your liking. It can't be like that. There's got to be some consistency here there does. across the board. You can't, you can't play both sides of the Correct. coin. Correct, exactly. You just can't do that. We're not going to let you do that, by the no. way. No. Going to hold everybody accountable. 201-939-4513. All right, let's open up the phone lines as we move along here on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Greg is in Atlanta. He gets us going. What's happening, Greg? Hey, how you doing, guys? Hi, Jeff. Hi, Lance. Hello. Doing all right, right Greg. What's on your mind? I'm I'm calling because I I feel like and and um Jeff touched on a lot of what I was about to say. I feel like there is no excuses in the NFL, and I understand that um we do have injuries, but with with the product that we're putting on the field, it's just an, an it's just not good. I want to say pathetic, but I'm not going to. Because I watch a lot of football, and I'm seeing, and I've been watching, I haven't missed a Giants game in the last four or five years. And I, I watch a ton of other teams and bad teams. And they do, at some point, execute some plays during the game. And it's just hard for me to digest us looking like high school football 
for a lack of a better term. Like, the way we don't execute, like, other teams be having third and long on us. And I be sitting there telling the people who are watching the game with me, like, they're about to execute their third and long. And, and you just feel it coming, and it's like, what is going on? Like, at some point, you got to and, – and Jeff said he want um, fans to call in and, and suggest um, what they think it is. Part of me is saying that I think it is – and it touches on the last time I called um, Lance, and, me, and I spoke – and I said that game against the uh, – uh, whatever game that say Quan Barkley got hurt in, I think the same. That was the Cowboys. And game. I said, okay. And uh, the game that I, um, I said that uh, I felt like the team, somebody should have rallied up and spoke up. And when I hung up with you, um, y'all said that uh, y'all don't think that it was that. I'm just saying that at some point in time, there got to be somebody on the team that football, as well as execution, it's emotional. Like you, you gotta get mad. I played football. You gotta get mad. You losing, losing, and execute something. You, or maybe not mad, or I'm just can't find the emotional word to say. But you have to get frustrated, and like, yo, there's no way I made it to the NFL and I'm still playing. My team is playing. Somebody has to rally the troops. Well, Greg, I get just that, but but I think you got to be a little bit cautious with respect to your point because, and Jeff, I think, can expand on this because he's been in NFL locker rooms, but there are players that wear their emotions on their sleeves and they're rah-rah and it's out there, and then there's guys that they're motivated, Jeff, but they don't wear it on their sleeves. They deal with their emotion differently. So the reason why I bring it up is I don't think it's fair to judge a player because he's not screaming and yelling on the sideline that that means that he doesn't care enough and he's not motivated to change the course of this season. No, you can't. Yeah, I you, agree with that. I yeah, agree. You don't with have that. you don't have all eleven guys that are like you know that lead. There's guys that lead by example, and there's guys that lead with their mouths. You know, so yeah. um, unfortunately, sometimes you don't have any of those guys. They're not all cut from the same I, cloth. I, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I just want to make one more point. Sometimes I agree with that, and what I'm trying to say is sometimes maybe there has to be somebody on the field. It's sort of like an in-game manager, somebody to calm us down, somebody to pump us up, somebody to help us recognize, hey, man, third and long. Hey, hey, y'all guys, we can't let them get this, man. Like, come on, man. Third and long, we can't let them get us. We got to get off the field. Somebody to manage the game as a player on the field, and I think that's what we're missing. A All right, Greg. On the well, field. listen, we'll on let you go on that note and appreciate the phone call. Thanks Thank for you. weighing in. I get where the caller's coming from, Jeff, but I still go back to what you were emphasizing earlier. I don't think this is they need a pep talk. They need somebody to give them a pat on the tush, okay, so that they could get off the field. This is simply execution. This is understanding the play design, being in your right assignment, filling the gap. I mean, those are the things that are hurting them, mistackling, bringing the guy down initially when you have him wrapped up as opposed to hoping another guy is going to do it. I mean, those are the things that are coming back to bite the Giants. I really don't think it has anything to do with they don't have a loud enough voice on the sideline. No, 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 listen. They're, they're, if you're at this level, you don't need a cheerleader, okay? You don't sure. need a guy to tell you you got to get up because you know what? You have to get up. You got to be ready to play. You have to prepare. You have to be mentally and physically ready to go out there for 60 minutes. And I, and it's it's in your contract. That's what we're paying you to do. And by the way, there's a lot of other people out there that don't have that contract that want to do what you do. And if you don't, then you're gone. I I have mentioned this many times, and you've heard me say this that the reason, one of the reasons that I I lasted 22 years in this league, okay, that's a long time, as you know, is because the fear factor. I always had a fear of losing my job, no matter what. I don't care if it was the 15th, the 16th, the 20th, or whatever. I was always afraid to lose my job, and I was never going to let it happen because it would be embarrassing to me and to my family. I just That's just the way that I am. And so when I went through slumps, and there was plenty of them, um, you got to find your way out of it. And what it comes from, it's self. you got to go back and self-scout. What am I doing differently? What do I need to do better? And you got to work on it slowly. and But you got to do it because you're going to be out of a job. Now, I'm not saying that all these guys are getting fired. This is just my attitude of what I always thought. And so, and usually at my position, the rule of thumb was you had three games. They would give you three games, Lance. If you had a bad game and then you had a second bad game, the third one, you better do it or you're gone. 
and that's just because you know punters and kickers seem to be a little bit more replaceable than your you know your starting <laughs> defensive end. Um, but my point is is that I, I think that they're you know when you're in one and five and you're looking for things to do as a staff. Um, Joe Judge is going to play the best guys, and sometimes the best guys are your 11 guys that were there last week because, you know, that's just the way that it is. So what do you ask those 11 guys? Just what I asked you, just what I told you. you got to deep, dig deep down inside and find something. Do something different during the week. Is it your preparation? Look at yourself at your preparation. Are you doing enough to understand concept and what we're supposed to do? Um, if you say yes, then find something else. Do something else. I mean, I don't know, start stretching, do whatever. I Whatever it is, you know, those coaches want you to win because their your success is their success. So if you got to go meet with your coach, go meet with your coach for an extended period of time. And I know that this happens because what this is what happens in the locker room. Guys are searching. They don't understand. Why are we losing? Because you, everything that we hear from Joe Judge about the guys practicing, and he made it after the, the – the game Sunday, he was telling some of the reporters, listen, you guys leave practice because you're not allowed to stay out for the rest of it. You don't get to see the way that the, the practices are run. I don't see guys quitting. I don't see guys loafing, you know, things like that. So, you know, these are the types of things that you got to understand. If you're not doing it, you got to do something better. Find a way to win. Go get a win. How great was it that when they won that Saints game? My God, that next week was just pleasant. But then it went away quickly. But they can do it. But you got to do it one game at a time. And by the way, the Panthers coming in this weekend, they're a good football team, but they're beatable. They're beatable, Lance, you know, especially without uh, McCaffrey. And so they got their share of injuries too. Yeah. No, they're absolutely dealing with uh, some issues on both sides of the ball. But mm -hmm. once again, the Giants are in no position to overlook or take any opponent for granted given their Excellent. own issues yeah. and Carolina actually rallied to force overtime against the Vikings when they were trailing by multiple scores in that game and nearly walked away with the W so you're also getting a team coming in that is I'm sure quite ticked off because of how they fell short in that game against the Minnesota Vikings the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State people who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19 protect yourself get vaccinated visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider let's head back to the phone lines Ken is in Trenton and he joins us what's happening Ken hi Ken hey fellas how we doing it's Good, uh, right, been a couple of years been a couple of years since I called I used to be a truck driver I'm not anymore so I don't have a lot of free time in the middle of the day but um <laughs> <laughs> now I do uh but anyway um I I've noticed a pattern with the team and uh and it's really I, I think Giants fans have been plenty patient but we've been through since Tom Coughlin we've been through three first-time head coaches and almost every year we start off 0-2 and, and our season is over before September's over every year we don't even get to get excited but I was one of the, the, the suckers that thought this year was going to be different and apparently not and I'm not going to put it on the injuries because we were 0-3 before we had any major injuries so uh, sure. I, I don't I don't really know it just doesn't seem like this team's ready to play week one I know you guys say the first four weeks is an extension of the preseason but not for the rest of the league they're ready to come out and play it just doesn't seem like it's working for us and I don't know if it's an organizational issue or what well, I wouldn't go so far to say that the rest of the league is ready to play in week one. The Buffalo Bills played very poorly and lost to the Steelers, and, and then so all of a sudden the, went so on a four-game winning streak. So did the Packers. So, yeah, the Packers, too. They had a very rough go. That's a great example, Jeff, to the New Orleans Saints, and then all of a sudden they look like a different team. So I wouldn't go so far, Kent, to generalize across the board and you mean, say that though. the Giants aren't an island because that really yeah, is across, not the case. Across the board is too much to say. It, it really is. But, I mean, a lot – the teams that are – the teams that are going to make the playoffs and the teams that are going to be close to making the playoffs are ready to come out and fight and compete immediately. And it well, doesn't I, I think like those are the teams that play consistently. I, I think that's what you're getting at, Ken. I, I don't really think it's a matter of they want to run through a brick wall in week one. It's the fact that game in and game out, the teams right now, if you look at the top of the standings, if we were to go team by team, I could tell you, I know what I'm getting out of this facet of the team. I know what this player is going to bring to the table. I think with the Giants right now, it's a little bit of guessing. Some games you've seen the offense do what they did against Washington, where they can light up the scoreboard. Other games like Atlanta, it's been more of pulling teeth. 
You've seen games on the defensive side of the ball where they can contain for a series or two, and then all of a sudden they give up lengthy drives. So I think that's right now what's missing with respect to the Giants compared to the other teams you're referring to. Yeah, I I, I understand. I mean, yeah, uh, I just I, I don't understand why it's been three different coaching staffs and we've gotten the same results, different players, different coaching staffs, the same results almost every year. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. I had to turn the game off the other day. And I don't turn Giants games off. But at halftime, I had had enough. I had to turn it off on Sunday. I can. I just couldn't do it. All right. Thanks, Hang guys. in there. You got it. Hang Appreciate in Appreciate the phone call. <laughs> Jeff, Hang the caller there. was referencing the fact that the Giants have had a lot of turnover on the coaching staff. And I think that's well documented. I've brought that up numerous times. Mm-hmm. And I've always said teams that do that where it's the revolving door every two years – I get it. The expectation is a new person comes in and there should be different results. But if you actually look at the league, it's not so simple. The teams, Jeff, I would point out that have gone opposite of stability and opposite of let's give the coach another chance. Let's give management another chance. They have actually struggled. I mean, the Jets, for example, let's go to the other local team. Look at how many coaches and GMs the Jets have gone through. Have they yielded any different results, no. Jeff? Cleveland, no. it, look at how long it took the Browns till Stefanski got there. And, oh, by the way, look at now what Cleveland's going through. Part of it's injuries. Part of it is, you know, their up-and-down performance. So, once again... If you could show me another team that has subscribed to every two years we're going to bring in a new coach and all of a sudden they have worked things out, I'd love to know the example because I think you'd be very hard-pressed to find that. No, you're not going to find it at all. I mean, if you, if you do, it becomes lucky. Then, you know, it's just yeah. one of those things. Sorry, I don't know if you hear my dog in the background there, but he's barking. No problem. The, Listen, if he wants to weigh in. He's at the FedEx guy. So. <laughs> We'd be more than happy to hear. As long as he's thoughts. not bringing me a fine with a <laughs> FedEx envelope in it, you know, that's okay. Um it's it's stability, and if you can if you can get it, that's great. But you know, one step forward sometimes is two step backwards, and it's just kind of, you know, you gotta. I, I I struggle with this just like everybody else, and I we're all trying to find answers of why why it is that this every year is starts off slow, and um, you know, I I don't know. I I just think that, man, I just wish that this team had uh, available all its, all its players every single week because on paper. You look at this offense, and the defense is what I scratch my head more about because I feel like the offense, when everybody is on the field and Daniel Jones can do what he was drafted to do, and that's throw the football and use his legs and be, be that, that quarterback that you want. He, these guys, and I mean, you could see Sunday with Kadarius Toney on the field how things were going to go, and then you lose him, and then you saw what happened. So his explosiveness, and not to mention, you know, Saquon's, I, I, I feel like I feel like both of those those guys can make such big plays offensively. When when they're out of their lineup, what else do you got? You know, I mean, where are the big plays going to come from? Then you got Kenny Galladay, who's a big play all all the time, making big plays there in Detroit. You know, so honestly, you got players that need to make, they just need to do better. But if they're not in the lineup, they can't do it. They can't do any better. They're not there. You know, so those are some powerful playmakers, Lance, when you think about it. The three guys I just mentioned. No doubt about it. I mean, that is some high powered. That's what you went out and got in the offseason. You know, I mean, you got a first round draft pick and a number one um, free agent to come in here and and basically produce. And then you got your number one guy coming back from a knee injury. You knew you would kind of milk him back a little bit, but he was full go. And then you lose him, too. So. Well, listen, they experienced life without Saquon Barkley for all of last season. They did, and look what happened. (laughs) Correct, and we saw what happened. But, you know, Wayne Goldman ran the ball effectively. They found ways to overcome that. Was it an explosive offense? No, but it's not as if Jason Garrett, Joe Judge and company didn't know what life would be like without Saquon. I think what makes this year even more challenging, though, is what you just said. Not only do you lose Saquon, (laughs) but now you've tacked on two new arrivals in Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney. But once again, I'll go back to Jeff, conversations you and I had this offseason. While Galladay, we knew what he could do when healthy. At the same time, we also knew that Galladay had some injury history. And you still, you roll the dice a little bit if, God forbid, this is not the season where he's able to avoid the injury bug. Because the Lions, they had the same conversation, Jeff, that we're having right now. If Kenny Galladay was in the lineup, what would Matt Stafford and company be doing differently right now? 
And unfortunately, he wasn't there because he was dealing with the hip injury. Yeah, and that's the chances that you take when you go out in free agency and pay money to big guys. Yeah. You know, that's why they have your your medical staff brings them in and they do all of their due diligence. And, you know, the bottom line is that the paper doesn't lie to you. The, the medical reports basically tell you that, right? You know, these are the things, but you just got to, you know, I don't know what's happening as far as, uh, you know, them, the guy that's coming in here convincing him that, they, that he's doing things differently, that he's not going to have to, you know, have, not going to have those types of injuries anymore. But, you know, I think that, once you have them, I think you really got to kind of take a look at it, you know, and say, well, this, this, and this. I, I still, though, Lance, I, I still scratch my head at the defensive side of the football. I, I get the offense, okay? I understand that on paper it can look good, and I feel like it ha- it, has, it has done well at times, um, but I can't I can't pick a lot of good things to say about this defense, and you know, if you give me a two seconds and go through this, I, this was some of the stuff I wrote down for our pregame show. When you look at the defensive line, and Lawrence and Williams are not, they're just not playing well. Little production out of those two guys, okay? Um, when you look at what, what they were, what we wanted them to do this season, the fans, if you will. Then you look at the edge positions on defense. There's no pressure, okay? Yeah, Aziz has three sacks, but Teams have kind of figured out him a little bit. Well, and that came in the first three games, too, Jeff. That's right. And by the way, that's what it takes. It takes about two or three games before those D coordinators can put a a, finger on you and, like, know what you're going to do. They're 30th in the NFL. This is going into this last week in pass rush rate. So other teams have no respect for their rush, right? They, They don't need to keep another tight end in. Sometimes they don't need to keep a fullback in because they have no respect for their rush. So that puts more guys out in coverage for the defense, you know. So that's one thing. The middle linebacker position, um, ever since Martinez has gone out, it's been just horrible. Crowder and Raglan are serviceable, but they just they're they're a liability in coverage, and they're not the best tacklers. Okay, Reggie Raglan is not going to cover you know left to right in the field very well. He's just not. And when he gets matched up, look what happened with Crowder. Okay, he gets met. The, the quarterbacks see that matchup. Okay, they saw it in the Washington game. They saw it in this last game. They get that matchup. They're going to that. They're going to that running back, and boom, it's a touchdown. Yeah, twice that was now. the J.D. McKissick pass that you're exactly. talking about. Exactly. Yeah, the cornerback position, which is the one that absolutely just—I don't understand this. Bradbury last week, blown coverage, a dropped interception, a pass interference call. All three of those lead to 18 points in that Dallas game. Okay, and on the season, he's got 23 completions on 31 targets. This goes back to last week. Okay, that's the that's a career worst seventy four percent completion rate for Bradbury, your number one guy. Okay, and then Adoree Jackson drops that interception that really um, cost him the game um, a few weeks ago. And so, I mean, listen, hundred point three passer rating against him. Think about that. And then the safety position, Logan Ryan, another dropped pair of interceptions in the Falcons game, um, and. 10 completions on 13 targets. So here's the, what's the theme to this? The theme at me at the top of this page that I wrote all this stuff out is, is that these players need to start producing and they need to play better. They're just not playing better. Jabril Peppers is a liability also in coverage. You know, I mean, yeah, he's a good run stopper, but once again, you get a quarterback in this league like a Matt Stafford or a Dak Prescott, the season number 21, lined up against one of your playmakers, it's over. They're going to... They're going to roll everything they can, and they're going to get out of that play that they had, and they're going to go right to that matchup. So there's just a lot of things here defensively that I don't understand, and and it's just tough to watch. Opposing passers, by the way, I tweeted this out the other day, completing 76% of their throws against the Giants this season. And Stafford (laughs) was the highest this year at 79%. He was 22 of 28. So your point is certainly well taken. Let's head back to the phone lines. Pete is on Staten Island. Pete, what's happening? Hello, Pete. Hey, Jeff, I haven't spoken in a while. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good, huh? (laughs) Forget about it. Forget about it. Oh, all right, listen, uh, the last couple of days you guys were talking, or, or probably from, from the beginning you guys have been talking about uh, our team last year and our defense last year. Well, maybe it was a smokescreen. I mean, take a look at who we beat towards the end of the year, and this is what concerns me, okay? Um, if you can pull it up, tell me outside of the Seahawks who we beat and how well our defense played 
and how we won those games. Well, if you were listening, Pete, to yesterday's program, this is exactly what I talked about. I brought up this exact point. Exactly, which, 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 which brings me to my point where what I'm scared about is what Joe Judge had to say yesterday where he said, you know, again, uh, we're going to do better and we're going to be better. Well, maybe you looked at our upcoming schedule where, where the games are going to become a little bit softer. And I know this is the NFL and I know every team is NFL uh, uh, good players and whatnot, but we're certainly not going to play against the caliber of teams uh, outside of maybe Atlanta, let's say, and Washington, that we're going to be meeting in the second half of the year, let's say. Okay, so let's say, for instance, the team improves, okay, or shows some, some improvement and, and against lesser NFL teams, okay? So that, that what my concern is is that we're fooled again to think that we, we're, we're as good as, as, as it looks on the TV but we're really not that good. You follow what I'm saying? Where if we played the, the same schedule in the second half, we'd be in the same position against better teams. So that's what I'm concerned, that we're being kind of blindsided here, that if, in fact, we do improve, but we're improving against lower level, lower, uh, low, certainly lower level than we've been playing. Okay, do you follow where I'm going with this? Well, I follow where you're going, except I would not necessarily classify the next three opponents as lower level. I mean, you got Kansas well, City in right. one of those games. Yeah. So but, um, you're going up against yeah, Patrick but, Mahomes. I mean, this is not going up against – it's one thing to say you're going up against Brandon Allen and the Cincinnati Bengals, which was the point I made yesterday in terms of the winning streak coincided where you went up against some teams they didn't even have their quarterback. Mahomes is going to be out there unless, knock on wood, God forbid he suffers an injury. So you're going to get pretty much the main weapons on Kansas City. Right now, Derek Carr is healthy, and the new coach is going to put his stamp on that team over the next few weeks. They beat Denver the other day. Carolina's fallen off a little. I'll give you that. And Sam Darnold, obviously, is still a young quarterback developing. But, you know, Kansas City and Las Vegas are going to be in relatively good shape. And then you're going to meet Tom Brady and the Bucks after the bye week. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say of the upcoming four games – you're really going to say that's a lower level compared to what they went no, up against? I'm not thinking of uh, uh, the next four. I'm thinking of the the schedule overall is going to get over the next, let's say, eight or nine games. It's certainly going to be a little bit easier than it was the first six. Okay? A little bit. All right? And like I said, I mean, every NFL team is good. Otherwise, we'd have no NFL, right? So I understand that. But now to Jeff's point as far as the defense, I wish that I would see some, some more anger out of everybody. I mean, these interviews after the games are just pathetic. They really are pathetic. I mean, uh, it's almost like you almost need a kangaroo court back in, in the locker room. <laughs> you, need, you, need, you need a kangaroo court. You need somebody to take the lead here, uh, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Because, like, I heard Logan Ryan the other day talking, and I was like, you know, what is he saying? Blah, blah, blah. That's like coach speak. I, I get it, but just show a little fire. I understand he's saying, well, it's not accept, unacceptable the way we're playing, right? But each one of these guys really have to look themselves in the mirror, right? Otherwise, you know what? You know what? It's like sort of like what Joe Judge was saying the other day, you know, and I don't know about Joe Judge. What he was saying the other day, we're playing 60, uh, we have to play 60 minutes. Well, what are you talking about? Every team has to play 60 minutes. Every team. It's like a guy running the first base, right? If he doesn't run the first base and he doesn't run a ground ball out, he's not, he's not playing the entire game. This, this, is, this is a no-brainer, you know. So I don't get that 60-minute thing. And I'll take your answers off the air, guys. And you guys, Thank you. You guys have a great week. You All too. right, you too. Appreciate Thank the you. call. Well, six, I mean, you have to play 60 minutes. That's exactly right. Um. <laughs> well, listen, I think a lot of people give coach talk and player talk in general, Jeff, across the league. I'll uh, go uh, back to, and I'm curious your perspective, Jeff, when he was oh, talking about Logan Ryan. Yeah. And we heard Logan Ryan's comments. We were on the air, so we were listening to it live and reacting to it. And he was asked the question, if you remember, Jeff, he was asked by one of the reporters, was it an embarrassing performance, an embarrassing loss? And I thought actually Logan gave a good answer. He goes, 
I'm not embarrassed if I prepared accordingly and I know that I went into the game in a good spot. I don't get embarrassed. He just said it's unacceptable in terms of losing in that manner. And and I think there is a differentiation between both. I'll also repeat what I said earlier in response to the last caller. You're expecting the players to showcase emotion so that it makes you feel warm and cozy. 100%. That's right. Correct, that they're That's angry. Right. When, how do you know Logan's not shouldering the load when <laughs> he goes so home? You're so right. You're so yeah. right. You know, it's so there's so many different personalities in this world, and you might be a guy that needs to pump up, um, and that, that's something that you want to see. But that's not something you're going to get. So now you want that person to pump you up and be all throwing, you know, chairs at the chalkboard and all. That doesn't, you know, that's not what it is. I I agree with what Logan Ryan said. In fact, I think it was a a very good answer. And like you, I, I liked it because that's the truth. But here's the problem. And I don't know this for a fact. I'm just, this is a general statement. I don't know anything. Okay. I don't know this for sure. I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm just trying to make a point of reference is that if everybody is preparing the way that they should be, and then they go out and play it the way they do, and I think this is what Joe Judge alludes to a lot of times, is that my team is practicing and playing hard, and we're not getting results. So there's got to be something they're missing. What is it? And that was my whole thing when I came on today, is that what is wrong with this team? The talent is there. I'm not going to argue with uh, – I, I mean, listen, look at the players that are on this team. They're good football players. I mean, on paper, I guess. But there's, you know, these guys, if you're preparing and you're doing it, then you shouldn't get embarrassed. Because I know that there's probably a lot of times when guys kind of cut corners and they don't do their preparation, and then they go out there and they get beat, then that's when they get embarrassed. But Logan Ryan, does he prepares. He's into the building the first, time, first one in the building. If you look at some of the things he's said, they have guys racing him into the building. So... Where are those other guys? Is it that part? Is that part of the problem that they're just not preparing themselves? I don't know, but I liked his answer. I did, you know. So, but listen, the whole thing, and this is what I wanted to get to real quickly. A lot of times, the team takes on the personality of the coach. You've seen this, Lance. Like when Tom Coughlin was here, you got these guys that are in a press conference. Before you know it, they're sounding just like Tom Coughlin. <laughs> and the, now these guys, there's a lot of them are sounding just like Joe Judge because. By the way, that's because they hear your they, he's the leader. They're hearing him speak every single day and more than you would you would imagine. So they're taking on that type of, you know, that that personality of the coach and sometimes you hear it in the players the way that they speak. And um that's just because they're around the guy a lot. Yeah, and it's like a sponge mentality. You just absorb what the coach says. So when you're asked a similar question, you're like, oh, yeah, let me go back to what Joe Judge said. He's been preaching it all week, so that sounds good. (laughs) Let's Come up with some of your own stuff maybe and talk like him, but, you know, it's your own stuff at least. Of course. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines. Len is in Columbia, Maryland. What's happening, Len? Oh, Len, how you doing? How you doing? Good. Hey, hey, Jeff. Jeff. Mm. If that if that dog of yours can find the ball quickly oh, and, a, and ball. arrive and arrive angry, let's play him at linebacker on Sunday. Oh, well, first of all, then he's he's a fourteen year old Maltese that weighs eight pounds. <laughs> I don't he's think long past his playing he, and he doesn't he can't see very well, so he's not going to find the ball. So he's retired. <laughs> <laughs> he's enjoying the good life at this point. Yeah. He doesn't want to play football. But I get I, I get go. I get what all you're right. saying. 100. All right. Here's a, here's a piece of here's a piece of good news for you guys. I think especially Jeff. Maybe not Lance so much. Jeff, I'm going to come see you on Sunday. Oh no way! Oh yes. Before the pregame. All right. All right? Good. That'll I can't make, wait. That'll take my mind off the game a little bit. Yeah, right, we'll, we'll look the, forward to that. That's great. Okay. Well, okay. just do me a favor. Hey. When you come up, I'm sure everybody wants to see you. Detino's there the whole time with me. Yeah, Lance yeah. Is... Oh, I'm going to see all of you. I want to see all of you. Okay. Um, all four all of right. you. All four of you guys. Yeah, Very for good. sure. For sure. All right. Um, listen, at the beginning of the show, you said you wanted to hear what the fans have to say. Let's you go. Know, what, 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 what do the, the fans think there's improvement, et cetera? And you know what? I'm, I'm going to give it to you. From this <laughs> fan's perspective, now, listen, we're not going to win 11 in a row when I give you this answer, okay? Mm-hmm. We're not going to win 11 in a row and go to the Super Bowl. But this is the starting point for me. And I'm going to narrow it down, a very narrow point. And you have to promise me, Jeff, Lance, you've got to promise me, you're going to address this point. I don't want you guys to go off on tangents 
and say, oh, yeah, easy to say that. I want you to address this point. Here it is. Here it is. Here's how we get better. I'm nervous. Are you, Lance? I'm nervous about this. <laughs> I'm waiting. There's such a big buildup. I'm just waiting for it. <laughs> Here we go. Consistently better play from Daniel Jones. Okay. Play to play, period to period, half to half, game to game, not one play off, not one play on, two plays off. Consistently better play. He's played 25 games. It's time, Daniel. Now, listen, I'll be the first to tell you, you've heard me say this before, especially Lance, you can't get blood from a turnip, okay? But let's find out if Daniel is more than a turnip. Show us, Daniel. Better play from Daniel Jones gives us a better chance on Sunday. Hey, I'll see you guys on Sunday. Say, so secondly, peripheral point. Um, in the draft, get that center from Iowa and stop this outside-in approach on building the offensive line. Build from the anchor. Get that center from Iowa and build inside out. Hey, I'll see you guys on Sunday. Look right. forward to it, guys. Thank, Thank you. you, Len. Look forward to it. We're certainly not going to be talking about the NFL draft for 2022 right now. So we'll digest that and save that no, for a later date. No, uh, I, will agree. As, I will agree with him. Uh, he needs to be a little bit more consistent. I'll agree yeah. with that. Oh, you're talking about Daniel Jones. That's exactly mm-hmm. where I was going to get to. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, isn't that every quarterback? Uh, that's probably the, it is the most important position on the team when you have a guy that can act, um, not act, it, that can play consistently. Are there going to be days – Lance, and you know it, there's going to be days like last week. The guy's going to throw three interceptions. This is going to happen. Yep. Um, it happens to everybody, but it can't happen consistently. And so you, you have maybe, if you have five or six games in a row where the consistency is there and you get you run into one that's just, just, just the, the way it is, you can accept that. But I see what Len is saying because really the offense is predicated on the play of your quarterback. If your quarterback is on, and he's making throws, and he's making plays, and he's not turning the ball over, and the offense is running like a, a fine-oiled machine, then you're going to have success. But when you're turning the football over and there's that inability to play consistently throughout every game, then you're never going to get to where you want to get to. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to also what we were talking about earlier when one of the callers was comparing the Giants to the rest of the league, and I said, if you tell me about other teams, I'll tell you what they can hang their hat on, Right. The Giants, not necessarily the case. I'm looking at the numbers that I tally here. Jeff, the passing game overall, and this obviously involves Mike Glennon. Through six games, the Giants have five passing touchdowns and six interceptions, and the quarterbacks have been sacked 12 times. What NFL team do you know of is going to win an overwhelming amount of games with those numbers through the first six games? The only way that they're going to win games, if your defense is one of the best defenses in the league that they're scoring, you know what I'm saying? But sure. Other than that, they're opportunistic. Yeah. They're getting pick sixes, yeah. returning yeah. fumbles. But even that's a rare occurrence. Jeff. It's a rare occurrence. Yeah. But, it, you know, and, or, and by the way, it's almost like you say, okay, it's a very opportunistic defense and they're taking the ball away and they're creating turnovers and they're getting sacks and they're shortening the field for your offense. But your turn, then your offense isn't scoring or turning the, and they're turning the ball over. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because you can only make up for so much of the hole that you dug yourself in. That's right. So there, yeah, I don't to answer your question, there is not crazy there is to none. say that you need more consistency out of the quarterback from possession to possession, game in and game out. Because, once again, you go back to that Washington game. And, yes, they weren't decimated by as many injuries. But you see what they're capable of doing. And then you go to the Atlanta game when they still weren't decimated by injuries. And you only put up 14 points. So it's this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde routine. Whereas Matt Stafford, okay, look at the quarterback on the opposite sideline from the game Sunday. Matt Stafford, if you look at his numbers, he's off to career best. Jeff, we were talking about this yeah. on the pregame show yeah. in just about every category. You know what you're getting out of Matt Stafford. That's mm-hmm. why the Rams right now are 5-1. and one. Matt Stafford was their cheat key. They got they got a next level in the video game with him, man. Somebody found the cheat, <laughs> the cheat whatever you want to call it, and they, the they unlocked code, yeah. that sucker. Man, they got him. And then you hear uh, Dan Campbell telling that Jared Goff has got to play better than I thought. That, that, you know, he needs to play better, you know? That's right. And then I hear people on Good Morning Football today talking about, or, or um, it was, uh, who was the, the receiver there? Um, Nate Burleson? Chris Carter. Oh, Chris Carter. We're okay. saying how that, you know, that kind of stuff has to stay in-house. 
you don't throw your quarterback under the bus like that. But I mean, what? Why are we had this? Why all of a sudden is everybody so sensitive? Can these are grown men? And if your head coach is going to come out in a press conference and tell you that you need to play better, oh, I'm sorry. Are you not going to sleep well now tonight? Well, don't worry. We'll get you some medicine anyways. That'll help you sleep. Come on. Seriously. I mean, keep what preaching, are we Jeff, doing? Yeah. I'm completely with you. Wholeheartedly agree with it. Yeah. I say the same thing. We, first of all, we interpret press conferences way too much than needs to be the case. And you're right. There's nothing wrong with listening to what Dan Campbell said, which I did hear. I didn't think he threw his quarterback under the bus. He was basically asked the question about, you know, does Jared Goff need to do a little bit more? And, and did you see an what happened? He, he sat there and pondered yeah. it for a second. <laughs> did you see Well, because that? he was worried about whether That's or not he was exactly going to be the lead what was happening. The he was day. sick. He, and here's the thing. Yeah. He sits up there, and, and I believe in his emotion because I think he, that's, that's the way he is. He wears his, you know, that's the way that guy is. But he thought for just a second, am I going to do this? And if I do this, is it going to be okay? And then he finally said to himself, you know what? What am I doing? Yeah. He needs to play better. How about that? Write that one. Okay, and now I'm going to have to go find Jared and tell him what I said because, you know, God forbid if he finds it out on social media that I said this and I didn't come to him. You know, I mean, it's just a joke. I mean, grow up, people. (laughs) That is today's NFL. It's a very different environment, and I think that's the latest example. Well, that is going to wrap up. Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jeff, an always abrupt, enjoy the an conversation. An abrupt ending. <laughs> yes, an abrupt ending, but a perspective, I would like to call it, That's in terms right. of ending the show. Yeah. So well, I'm, on, I'm on tomorrow, so maybe I'll bring some of that over tomorrow, too. Well, there you go. Okay, you will expand on your point about Dan Campbell maybe. and the softness of today's NFL. How about yeah. that? If that's not a teaser for tomorrow's show, then I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. But we'll leave it at that. All right, Jeff, I'll speak to you later on in Okay, the Lance. Thank you, you guys. Got it. Everybody, today's thanks episode, for the calls of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere, and Giants.com slash podcasts. We are back on tomorrow, as Jeff said, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We'll speak to you on Wednesday. Have a good one.